Welcome back to the Registrar Roundup. Uh, it is, uh, can you believe it's the end of season two already? We have had 12 episodes, 12 great weeks of guests and chat and discussion about all the issues that are affecting the trade repository space. And uh, yes, we're coming out a little bit late this week. It is the 1st of October and uh, this episode is coming out. Slightly different format for the show as well this week because we have got reports coming in from lots of previous guests. I'm in the virtual studio with the nicest and most efficient person in the organization, Barbara Ruiz Alonso. Hello, everyone. And it's just us this week, Barbara, because um, we uh, there's been a lot of very, very sort of big announcements and decisions and platform rollouts and stuff that's been happening at uh, Registr. And so uh, the voice of reason, Nick Bruce, uh, we caught up with him yesterday for uh, an interview. And of course, uh, our very own Dr. Evil of Brexit, uh, John Kernan, who is the CEO of uh, Registr UK and head of product in Europe. He has been very busy doing Registr UK stuff, so he can't join us this week either. So we are doing our new breakfast show format. So this is good. Prepare for season three. It's going to be a whole new roundup coming to you soon. We're going to be taking a little break while we put that together. In the meantime, now we are going to have to read a disclaimer because this is a financial services podcast and anything could happen in the next 20 minutes. But we're going to do it live and we're videoing it too so you can see behind the scenes and see how it works. Now, while Barbara reads the disclaimer live, I will be playing Quando Mi Vo, which is the opening number from Act 2 of La Boheme by Giacomo Puccini uh, on the ukulele. This podcast is sponsored by Registiar and features members of the Registiar team offering their personal opinions. It is not intended to be taken as any form of legal, tax or other professional advice and there is no representation made as to the accuracy or completeness of the information nor does it necessarily reflect the opinions of Registiar as an organization. Okay, so moving on with our show this week. Uh, obviously, um, we haven't got Dr. Evil himself. Yes, John Kernan, who's head of product in Europe and CEO of Registrar in the UK, is busy uh, with the UK domiciled side of the business. So instead, uh, Laura Gibson, who uh, last week had her maiden uh, voyage as uh, the Brexit pundit of gloom, yes, as the braveheart of Brexit, Laura Gibson will be reading our Brexit update. Laura, over to you. It's a long one this week. At the General Affairs Council meeting on the 22nd of September, ministers exchanged views on the draft conclusions for the special European Council meeting to take place on the 1st and 2nd of October. EU Chief Brexit Negotiator Michel Barnier informed EU ministers about the current status of the EU-UK future negotiations. They agreed that further progress could still be achieved in the next round, scheduled for the week of 28th of September. However, they did stress that the withdrawal agreement has to be respected in its entirety, hinting towards the controversial draft UK Internal Market Bill, which would be voted on again next week in the UK Parliament, before being scrutinised by the House of Lords. On the 21st of September, the EU Commission adopted an 18 months equivalence decision for UK CCPs under strict conditions, which shall apply as of 2021 and expire on the 30th of June 2022. Executive Vice President Valdis Dombrovskis stated that the decision gives EU market participants the time they need to reduce their excessive exposures to UK CCPs and EU CCPs the time to build up their clearing capability. 
According to a report conducted by the British Chamber of Commerce, 51% of UK businesses have still not taken any steps recommended by the government to prepare for the changes in the trade of goods after the end of the transition period. Many firms say they've heard talk of deadlines and cliff edges before, and others are still grappling with fundamental changes as a result of the pandemic and have too little cash or information with which to plan. Valdis Dombrovskis warns that the EU and the UK need to intensify negotiations on future relations considerably, as there are many outstanding issues. The alternative of a no-deal Brexit is not appealing, but we cannot exclude it. The 23rd of September, the UK FCA stated that EU banks and investment funds wishing to continue their operations in the UK beyond the transitional period must have sufficient senior staff in the UK. The FCA expects firms seeking authorization to have an active plan of business in the UK. More than 1,500 European firms and 600 funds have already obtained temporary permission, giving them time to apply for UK authorization, whilst the FCA expects more companies to apply. Meanwhile, JP Morgan is reported to transfer about 200 billion euros of assets from the UK to Frankfurt as a result of Brexit. Although Reuters has not specified what type of assets JP Morgan will move, the transfer could make it one of the largest banks in Germany. Thanks to Laura Gibson for that. And of course, to Fina Gassi and the uh, Intelligence Unit and the Deutsche Börse, who very kindly keep us supplied with all the latest Brexit news. Okay, now, Barbara, obviously, we've had a Brexit update every week. It's, you know, uh, always kind of bad news and vague, but nothing really happens. So this week, uh, rather than us do our post-match analysis of you know what happened in Brexit this week, um, we've got uh, an old friend of the Registry R Roundup, Seb Malik, who's Head of Financial Law for Market Finreg. And this is his view on Market Finreg's take on Brexit. It's truly pointless trying to second guess what's going on there. Um, nobody really knows how that will turn out. What I would say is that at a bare minimum, there will be a minimalistic deal. And that's what I think people refer to as a hard Brexit. There will be uh, some kind of patch-up deal, even in a hard Brexit. For example, we see the temporary CCP recognition regime to make sure financial services keeps ticking over, at least in a minimal level. And there'll be more from Seb later in the show, looking at uh, what's next for SFTR. uh, And needless to say, uh, looking more broadly, as well as the big legal ramifications of uh, implementing SFTR on a more global footing. But before we come to that, Barbara. So I think, Andrew, we are now going to listen to uh, the CEO of Capitec, Ronan Curtis. And we've asked him about what he thinks... uh, the biggest challenge and opportunities for uh, the industry uh, for the next few months. For Capitec, the main uh, projects in the next six months, as far as trade repository goes, will be around transitioning clients from the CME trade repository to Regis, as well as being prepared for Brexit. The nice thing for our clients is that those two significant transitions will be totally transparent for them, and they will literally need to do nothing in order to get through those. Okay, so Barbara, I'm really interested in what Ronan had to say there, because of course, that's the real 
benefit, isn't it? That's the real benefit of digital transformation and of uh, data-powered systems is that, you know, the the onus to sort of adapt to changing regulations is very much on the vendor side. And as he said, you know, the clients won't have to do anything. All this stuff is going to happen automatically. That is a real win, isn't it, for clients because they're usually stressed with their own business projects as well as their regulatory overheads, right? So, you know, the more the regulation become automated, the better. And I know you have a, a lot of thoughts and insights into the whole data management issue as being something that's critical for the industry right now. Yeah, um, that's right, Andrew. So I think the success of the vendors is just that, just making the life easier for for its clients and, and make all the transitions and all the changes that more changes will come. I'm sure, I'm sure about that. Just try to make it the easiest for the clients. So I'm sure that's why Capitech will success in the in the future. And about uh, what this is for the tiers at the end, it's it's the same thing. I'm actually receiving on a very frequent basis, you know, requests from the from the NCAs, from the regulators, from different clients. Uh, they all are in need of receiving. Uh, data sets of all information of previously reported information, but because the DR has, you know, this huge amount of uh, records in the system, it is many times difficult to actually extract, uh, you know, very specific um, data, specific filters for each uh, case, because at the end, uh, depending on what you are looking at, if you're looking at reconciliation, if you're looking at, uh, you know, data quality, whatever uh, the person that needs the information is looking at, we need to apply different filters. So to me, the future for the TRs, it's uh, just about, you know, investing in, in data management systems that are super powerful and, and to be able to provide clients immediate information, uh, whatever the, the filters, whatever the filters they need. That is, uh, of course, not easy for a system of the size of a TR because at the end, as I was saying, millions of records uh, reach the system every day plus the life cycle events and all that. We need to treat it. We need to ingest it. And uh, every query requests a lot of demand for the system to generate it. So for me, that's the future and not necessarily the near future. It's also the, the, the long term, you know, because uh, with all the changes coming, this is not an, an, it's an easy way of, of implementing. I mean, one of the big challenges about that is, you know, obviously the core business of a trade repository is to verify and validate data, match trades, make sure that that information is reported correctly as per the regulations. This is something else, though, isn't it? Data management is a whole other task that is then sort of uh, creeping into that as a result of the, the sheer volume of data you're dealing with. And you are talking about millions of records, uh, as well, I mean the the, the volumes obviously uh, of trades uh, are huge. But then, what about on the 
the client side as well. I mean, are there things that they could be doing more effectively to try and manage their own data? Because we do hear about this issue, don't we, of dark data, the fact that most companies only really have a good analytical insight or a good dashboard sort of product, which will you know deal with a surface level of data, about 20%. But there's normally a huge amount of data that never gets processed, is never fully understood. And, and presumably, this problem... You can deal with it at the TR side, but there must be things on the client side that need to happen as well for them. Do you, do you advise people on that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, my advice will be that uh, because, you know, they, they know what they have sent us and we provide uh, daily feedback to them in uh, to, so they are aware if the report was correct, if there was any issue, and in case there was an issue, what was the issue, can fix it. At the end, uh, we are in constant communication with the clients about the the uh, trading data, and it is very important uh, that they keep actually also records of what they have sent to us and of what has been the feedback from the TR. And this is also because when we are requested from the TR side to provide information, of course, we need to be very careful about data security because uh, we are providing data of our clients to our clients. We need to be super careful that we are not, you know, providing data to a client that doesn't own that data. And for that, that that's where we need to implement many controls, strict controls to ensure. So we are always going to be very conservative in case we have any doubt that that data doesn't belong to that client or they are not allowed to see it. We won't provide it. So that's why when we try to automate this process of uh, information and feedback to the clients on an automated basis, it's not only about, you know, because you have a, a big database, you just need to show it with an interface or whatever. It's not that easy. Uh, we need to be very careful. And any in the system needs to be, you know, through the whole chain to ensure when it gets to the client, it's the right data. Okay, now, Barbara, don't go anywhere because I've got more questions for you. But, you know, everyone is super busy this week. It's the last episode. We've got lots of things we want to try and pack, cram in. And yesterday, I caught up with our very own voice of reason, uh, Mr. Nick Bruce, head of business development. And he had this to say about uh, looking uh, down the barrel of the next three months. Ah, okay. The barrel of the next three months. So... I don't know if I'd say the next three months, if you wanted me just to look at the current environment and say, what are my hopes, aspirations or concerns? I think one of the biggest thing is over the last sort of 12 months with everything that's happened in exceptional environment with Brexit, with COVID, we've seen a lot of delays to regulation. Um, we're now seeing the potential impacts of things like divergence and companies having to invest in divergence between the regulations in the UK, potentially in the EU. And my worry is um, the impact that might have around innovation and the fact that at times when I think actually there's a lot of opportunity to innovate because innovation tends to happen around change. Actually, given the fact that companies are now running so many projects that they just can't close off and the fact that there's a backlog of regulation to be implemented I'm just worried that that's going to stifle innovation because we just won't have the ability to react. There won't be the bandwidth and the resources at a time when companies are actually closely looking at their budgets. Okay. And looking back the way, I've got another question for you, which is, you know, oh, no, too. I, I, I know there's two questions this week. Uh, I know you're busy, but I, I've got to ask it. Looking back, right back to the beginning of season one, when we were looking out 
uh, at the Outlook then. What do you think has come true? Because certainly SFTR went off a lot smoother than we thought. And what about the remaining CME uh, clients and getting them ported over and the sort of predictions that everyone was making about the porting bottleneck? How do you think that has panned out, better or worse than expected? Uh, good question. Okay, I'm trying to think back now to season one. I was so much younger then, you know, Andrew. But when you think about it, I mean, this look, I think SFTR with the delay, and I just think actually the learning curves from things like Amir was actually very, very successful in terms of implementation. It was very smooth. I think the delay helped. I think the move to ISO standards helped. And I think the way that the community worked more closely together and interacted in defining standards itself was a real help. My biggest concern, and back to the point I just made, is I think we still have this backlog. Uh, I think there's still a lot of things to be resolved, um, not just in our world when you look at things like CSDR, et cetera. And I think there's still a lot of things down the track that haven't been resolved. And we still have, we still have, I think episode one, we probably talked about Brexit and we're still talking about Brexit. You know, we have Dr. Evil, you know, we have the Braveheart. We've got more people talking about Brexit than ever. So, I mean, there's still a lot of things to be resolved. Uh, Nick, what's been your high point of season two? High point of season two? I mean, just working with you guys. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then, I mean, what else could I say? I mean, look, we've we've had some fantastic guests. We really have. Um, and actually, I just think it's the whole success of the podcast in general. I know that probably sounds a little bit cheesy, but I think as a forum where we actually bring in a lot of different views, um, a lot of views across the industry, um, to actually single out one person would just be professional suicide as well. I'm going to ask you, I haven't asked you what your breakfast choice has been. Oh, I have. Well, do you know what? You did. You did, but it was so boring. I think you cut it. I think that is the problem, you know, because I'm a, I, I was a granola and yogurt man. And everyone else, I don't believe anyone's eating what they're saying. They just want to sound sophisticated. <laughs> and I just can't do that. I've, I've given up over the years. Okay. So you, have you, you haven't converted over to the avocado then? You haven't gone avocado yet? I, do, I wouldn't even know where to start looking at an avocado. I mean, that, that's just, just, you know, the pip's just too big. I just can't handle it. <laughs> okay, thank you, Nick. See you in season three. And yeah, okay, it's been a pleasure. See you soon. Cheers, bye. Bye, everyone. And that was Nick Bruce there, the voice of reason, head of business development. Now, Barbara, you have um, this sort of... Uh, growth that that sits across the whole life cycle of the TR business. So not talking about the trade now, we're just talking about the TR business. You know, reporting is what people associate you with. But in fact, over on top of that, you're needing to manage data, you need to manage uh, data privacy on behalf of the clients. So has this, you know, sort of made your job harder? I mean, we've been through a period of unprecedented disruption. And are you finding the systems are now, there's always that element, isn't there, when new systems come on stream that, you know, there is disruption from those because it's hard to learn. Are you finding now the systems are starting to actually deliver the sort of automation that Ronan is talking about for you? So it may be seamless for clients, but what about on the TR side? Because you seem to have an awful lot of systems in development in any one time. Um, yeah, I mean, we, of course, keep enhancing our systems. Uh, as we were saying the other day in the podcast, not always as fast as we would like to. Mm, but yeah, I mean, we we are trying to get adapted to this, but I, I think 
once the regulation is more stable and we don't have so many changes every year, uh, we could actually invest in uh, stable systems because at the moment, every change we do, we need to actually rechange it every few months. And that's something that also impacts our clients, of course. So we are kind of running, you know, uh, regressive testing every week almost uh, to ensure our system is always uh, fit, which, you know, it, it, it's difficult. And, and we, of course, are dealing with some issues and, and bugs and and we just try to manage it as, as good as possible and as quick as possible. But yeah, I think innovation in, in this regard will come. Uh, will come soon. It, it keeps coming. I mean, I don't want to say it will come in the future because we, we are already investing in that. Uh, but as I said, I think uh, big changes will come once uh, we can actually dedicate time to a, a more stable system. So I, I have one sort of final question for you that I've been building up to this one. This has been really exciting because you haven't realized this whole thing has been an elaborate ploy because this comes to the point whereby, okay, so we are going to be off for the month of October uh, working on season three. And while we're off for the month of October, all of the things you've just mentioned happen, don't they, in a big way because it's phase three of SFTR. So go on, tell us now. How are you, are you looking? Are you going to have a nice, relaxed, smooth October, Barbara, or is it is it going to be late nights and uh, coffee? Uh, which, uh, admittedly, in Madrid, the coffee is outstanding. But uh, how's it going to go? Tell me. Uh, it's going to be busy. I'm sure it's going to be busy. It's not only the third way for SFTR. Uh, we are already super focused on on the Brexit and the um, setup of the new uh, TR in the UK, and so yeah, I, I we might need to bring coffee from Colombia as well. I think we have <laughs> enough coffee in Spain. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I mean the the good part for SFTR is that we've done the the worst part with the first and second wave, so the the system is quite good now. We did a deployment. Uh, last week and and so we have fixed most of the important things we had in the system so that that's that's good i'm not really scared about uh, sftr now which i think we have under control but we really need to focus on the in the uk because it's uh you know it's very close and and there's a lot to work a lot of work to do and talking about sftr uh, here we come again with Seth Malik and his insight about the SFTR implementation. We at Market Finreg have been working very closely with Regis TR, delivering a lot of SFTR training, something that's still available. And that will obviously continue with the buy side imminently going live. Going forward, Market Finreg is always scanning the latest regulations and developments in the industry. Those who've been following SFTR know that we've been breaking a lot of the news because we've been in direct conversation with the regulators and we scour uh, all of the legislation. So we're constantly what we hope to be one step ahead of the game. So in that regard, I would ask firms to reach out to us. I do expect enforcement of SFTR and other reporting regimes to step up. I've written an academic paper on the lack of enforcement that's uh, hopefully going to be published shortly in a major financial journal. So NCAs uh, will be stepping up their enforcement activity. And looking slightly wider, remember that SFTR is 
the European Union's implementation of Financial Stability Board recommendations on shadow banking and the FSB being a G20 institution means that you've got 19 other institutions out there that need to implement their own form of SFTR. Now, we at Market Finreg have already reached out to some of the US Treasury, their finance, uh, financial secretary, and we're trying to get some sort of idea of what the US is going to be doing. I don't suppose we're going to get anywhere anywhere soon because of the US election. Nevertheless, Switzerland and the other G20 countries will be implementing their own versions. So there's a lot coming on board. There's a lot of work with CSDs and DLT coming about. Um, You've got Brexit, of course, and you've got the SFTR for the G20. So all of those things and others, we're going to be keeping a close eye on cryptocurrencies as well or crypto assets. And, of course, keep in touch with us and hopefully we can... uh, provide some consultancy and some insights it's very interesting about you know uh what seb said and about the the work he is doing because i remember at the beginning of sftr how good it was to uh get his input and his trainings because it's very hard when you start implementing something uh to really have a wide view of everything which needs to be considered about this, especially, you know, in regards to the regulation, the legislation and all that. So I, I really appreciate this part of breaking, you know, we say in Spanish, uh, breaking the ice, you know, when you first try to do something and, and just uh, be the pioneer on, on, on something. So um, I think that is super helpful for uh, the for the TRs concretely and, and for us uh, in Registrar. Okay, so that is it. That's all we've got time for this week. And we ha- that's all we've got time for for the month. We will be back in November with a whole new Registry Art Roundup. And we'll be back in November to review how things went with uh, Wave 3 of SFTR. And we will be back uh, looking forwards to Brexit. And uh, the Doctor Evil of Brexit, John Kernan, will be joining us to update us on progress with uh, Registry Art in the UK. And, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to coming back then. But in the meantime, all that remains is for us to say bye-bye. And it's uh, goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from uh, the nicest and most efficient person in the organization, Barbara Luis Alonso. Goodbye, everyone. Looking forward to coming back next season. And of course, don't forget that we have been surveying the great and the good of the Regtech space and the TR space, and we can officially declare that avocado on toast is the breakfast you should be enjoying if you want to be a high-flying, data-crunching, slow-carb-release, high-protein TR kind of person. And wait for the cookbook. That will be coming soon. But... It is time to go. So if you are back in the office, stay safe, uh, keep your social distance, do all those things you've got to do, and uh, we hope that it goes well. And if you're still working from home or in a virtual studio like us, remember, reach out with your digital tools, stay connected, and do come and listen to the show. Now, you will find us on uh, linkedin.com slash companies slash regis hyphen tr. And if you go there for this one, you will be able to see the video uh, of Barbara and I doing the disclaimer live with music and 
and you can see the the kind of magic that happens when you uh, make nice with your compliance people live on air. And that's it. So thank you for listening. We will be back in November. In the meantime, have a good break. Hope SSTR goes well. And do get in touch with us. If you want to be on the show, if you want to uh, come on and talk about uh, the work that you're doing, uh, we would love to have you as a guest next season. So do come back. And until then, bye-bye. Bye-bye.